0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome back in on a Monday. It's the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Michael Borkey. I had a take on Saturday night that I'm prepared to defend Today, we'll talk about that, reacting to Ole Miss and Alabama. It's a loss, but the fan base, kind of like the Florida game, is feeling a little bit better about the direction of their program today than they were, say, on Friday. So we'll break down the game, look at that. I will defend a uh, post-wedding take I had on Saturday night, and we'll talk about this sign-stealing situation. I, I don't know what else to call it other than an embarrassment for Alabama. I know they just won the football game, but... Um, the fact that this is a story today is only an indictment on them. So we'll talk about all this coming up. But first, I do want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you every single day by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. I'm pulling up the weather app right now. Stunning. Except for Friday. Friday's going to be a little chilly for you if you're living in Oxford. But the weekend, mid to upper 60s, sun will be out. Ole Miss will be on the road at Fayetteville. So start your weekend behind the grill with LBs, the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. And don't forget, Monday through Friday, they've got daily lunch specials. Stop by and get one of those. Tell Greg we sent you here at Super Talk, the Rebel Report, at LB's, there in Oxford, the best place in Mississippi, to get your meat. And we'll start, of course, with uh, old Miss and Alabama. Like I said, this will be the last time, uh, because of a wedding, that I don't do a, an immediate reaction or at least a Saturday night at some point reaction podcast uh, just could not get one done on Saturday. So for the rest of the year, you'll get one. But today will serve as the like instant reaction podcast for Ole Miss and Alabama. Took a bunch of notes. Uh, when I got home and, and did it for uh, the Sunday morning show as well, I will use those here. And we'll break down the game. And like I said, look at this sign-stealing situation because it's it's honestly pathetic. But first, a little box score. Just I call it house-cleaning on the radio show. Uh, Matt Corral was 21 of 28 for 365 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Important to note that there were no interceptions in the game. Matt Jones was equally as good, if not better, for Alabama. He was 28 of 32 for 417 and two touchdowns. That is, in my opinion, the most underappreciated player in college football. And I know he's the quarterback at Alabama, so that sounds weird, but when you talk... Going into the season, the conversation around Mac Jones was, will he lose his job to a freshman? And so many people will say that, oh, he's only good because it's easy to play quarterback when you're throwing to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle." And while I agree with that, th- this kid's talented. That's a very, very, very good quarterback at Alabama in Mac Jones. I know it's easy to look good when you're playing Ole Miss, but this will be a weekly thing for him. I think he is a very good player. And he showed you exactly why on Saturday night. Snoop Connor and Jerry and Ely both had over 100 yards rushing. Connor had 131 on 21 carries. Ely had 122 on 19 carries. They both averaged over six yards per carry and had a pair of touchdowns. Matt Corral added 54 yards on the ground himself. On the other side, Najee Harris. He was um, like that scene from Billy Madison where he's playing dodgeball and um, he just dominates. I mean, he's, he's an adult man, right, playing dodgeball against first graders. That's what Najee Harris looked like running against the Ole Miss defense. Receiving-wise, Kenny Aboa had another big game, seven receptions, 181 yards. Elijah Moore continues to just be special. 11 receptions, 143 through the air. Devontae Smith had 164 for Alabama on 13 catches. Jalen Waddell had 120 on six catches. Uh, it was obviously a tale of offense in this game, But a lot of good can be taken away from this uh, if you're Ole Miss. And, of course, because when you give up 63 points, a lot of bad. 63-48 was the final. Tied at 7 after the first quarter. Tied at 21 at halftime. Alabama took a one-touchdown lead after the third quarter. And then they won the fourth quarter by 8 as well. Uh, But really back-and-forth game. Neither defense could stop either offense in a really fun, exciting brand of football that got a lot of people talking. But forgetting nationally for a second and bringing it back down local. Uh, I said something very similar on the Sunday show yesterday to open. And so forgive me if this is a little uh, repetitive. If you listened, I appreciate you, by the way. Uh, step one for. Lane Kiffin and his time at Ole Miss should have been exactly what happened on Saturday night, because even though the score was close, and I know there was a point in the second half where they were tied, and Ole Miss was really scoring with Alabama, I think everybody knows deep down that they were never really going to win that game. It was not po- stopping Alabama was not possible. It wasn't going to happen. They couldn't do it. That's why you had a surprise second half onside kick because Lane Kiffin knew we can't stop them so we have to steal a possession or else we're going to lose the game. Uh, he knew that deep down and that's why he he made that call but the most important thing in my opinion going into this season for Ole Miss was not wins and losses although winning games is nice and losing games is not with the 10-game SEC schedule and COVID and all that stuff, because otherwise Ole Miss would have been a bowl team clearly relatively easily if the schedule was normal and COVID didn't exist. This Ole Miss team would have won seven or maybe even eight games with the normal schedule. But the 10-game SEC schedule kind of screws everything up. The most important thing to me was to look like they belonged with the best in their league. And for years, they haven't done that. With more talented teams. Especially defensively. That was step one. And I know what Lane Kiffin said after the game. And in fact, that, that's a great mentality to have to try to bring to your program is, why are the fans clapping for us? We just lost. That That's the perspective you want your coach to have. But the reason the fans were clapping, and he knows this, were because... Ole Miss simply has not been... Competitive isn't even the word to describe it. They looked like against Alabama for years now. They didn't belong on the field. The game that everybody pointed to last year as, oh, look, that's Ole Miss's team of the future, that's the quarterback of the future, was a game in which they got absolutely smoked in. They got smoked by LSU last year. Yeah, they ran the ball a lot. They got smoked, though. Ole Miss has not been competitive against the best teams on their schedule. Specifically Alabama. So... Looking at the summer expectations going into year one under Lane Kiffin, I think Saturday night was an extremely important step because I don't think Ole Miss was ever going to win that game. There is too much of a personnel gap between Ole Miss, especially defensively, and Alabama. It's too wide right now. It's going to take... Todd McShay, after the game, was right. It's a multi-year rebuild to get Ole Miss competitive defensively. Multiple years. And they're working on that. I've told you on this podcast before, the recruiting class is setting up nicely for defense, and they're going to add more pieces. Uh, People are taking notice of what's going on in Oxford right now, nationally. They're noticing. People see that it's a fun, creative brand of football. I mean, you, you see the videos on Friday of the staff playing... It, what they did jump ball this week, and, and they've done baseball. And just Lane Kiffin just kind of gets it, you know. It's it's structured and it's purposeful, but it's fun and edgy and infectious. And people nationally are starting to take, starting to take notice. Recruits are starting to notice they that staff is too good at recruiting to not build a really good class, even with COVID and no visits and anything like that. And you've already seen it. Their numbers aren't high because they're not just filling a class with dudes just to do it. They're being selective and it's working and it will work. But personnel-wise on Saturday night, they were not going to be competitive. It wasn't going to be possible. It's a multi-year build on defense to to become competitive. And yet on Saturday night, with everything going against Old Bess, COVID getting rid of spring practice. Summer workouts that couldn't happen. A young quarterback, really lacking in talent. And yet on Saturday night, Ole Miss belonged on the field with the best team in the country. One of the best teams in the country. Alabama with five stars at every spot, all over the field. A roster that everybody in college football would dream to have. They looked like they belonged on the field with Alabama. And there's no such thing as moral victories, or there shouldn't be. But that's why the fans cheered the team as they left the field. It's because for the first time in years, they got to see an Ole Miss team look like they belonged on the field in the same conference, in the same division with Alabama. And largely, the roster is exactly the same. You add a graduate transfer tight end that was barely used at Temple and your already bad defense from a year ago lost its best defense, interior defensive lineman in NFL safety. Everything else is the same. And yet that team is so shockingly better coached in 2020 versus 19, 18, and 17. It's a, it's a stark difference. Complete difference. They belonged on Saturday night. And that is a huge difference step forward for Ole Miss football and building something and making yourselves competitive. You have to love, you should love the mindset that Kiffin has. You should love it. Why are you clapping for us? I think that's an exact quote. Why are they clapping for us? We lost the game. They came there to win. That's what he intends on doing for however long he's there. And so you have to love that mindset, but I'm sure deep down he understands that Nick Saban went to bed mad on Saturday night after playing Ole Miss in his first year. That was the closest to Saban' assistants ever been. Most points that a Saban assistant has ever scored against him. And Nick Saban went to bed mad. And you know, deep down, that made Lane Kiffin smile. You know it did, and he, you know, he recognizes that they're close. Like I said, a couple of years away from being competitive defensively, but they're close. They're very close. So that was, in my opinion, a big step forward. Because expecting to beat Alabama this year is, is really dumb. And I don't think any of you listening expected to win that game. You guys are smarter than that. Podcast audience are very, typically very smart. That's what market research tells you, by the way. So congrats. Um, but looking competitive in year one, looking like you belonged, I think is a huge step forward for the program. Huge step forward. Second note I have is Matt Corral. At this point, he's a star. I've been waiting. I mean, this is the third game now, and I've, I have even said on Friday on the radio show that you know maybe he's due for one of these games where he turns the ball over a lot. And he's not going to be this good every week. There is going to be a week where he has an off game. He's a young quarterback, and like I said, I think Friday, uh, to you, he is a human. He is a human, and he will have an off night, but I don't know when that's coming. His poise... And his comfort, even when playing against Alabama, is so impressive. And obviously, the arm strength is there. The talent's always been there. But this is, like I said last week, maybe this is just who he is. It's amazing what competent coaching can do for a a talented player like him. And um, I did see Brian Scott Rippey say on Twitter that every job interview that Rich Rodriguez has moving forward needs to have a question about Matt Corral. I don't mean to harp on last year's staff, but it just it, it's baffling that coaches paid millions of dollars, watched this kid, and decided, eh. We don't need to play him much. He's not the future. It's crazy. He's a star. People are starting to take notice in college football. The arm strength is there. The touch is there. The athleticism is there. He can run. He's pretty shifty in the pocket as well. He evades pressure very well. He is dramatically improved, but this is how talented everybody thought he was going to be. Except for apparently Dan Mullen, who, who passed on him, basically. I did see somebody retweet a, a recruiting analyst that said that Florida was getting a huge upgrade uh, passing on Matt Corral and getting, I think it was Emery Jones at the time uh whoops So the kid he's a star that's really what it comes down to and it also helped that in front of him the offensive line played their best game of the year so far much 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 better and Cole Kubelik confirmed that on Twitter and Cole's the kind of guy that if he says something I I just listen um he is the most well-studied analyst that covers SEC football Cole Kublik watches more and analyzes more and studies more SEC football than anybody else. And so when he tells you that Ole Miss offensive line played their best game of the year, well, then you believe it. But also, you can see it on the box score just statistically and also just with your eyes. Ole Miss up front played their best game of the year against the most talented team they've seen in the first three weeks too. I mean, the personnel that Alabama has, like all of you know, Five stars everywhere, NFL guys everywhere, and they controlled the line of scrimmage. It wasn't just Matt Corral throwing the football like it was last week in a way. They ran the football effectively. They got push up front. They created lanes for Connor and Ely. That was their best game and a huge encouraging sign moving forward because Ole Miss is not going to see a defensive front with that kind of talent again. They're not going to see it again. Auburn's going to be talented on the defensive front. A&M's got some dudes. Mississippi State has some dudes in the front seven for sure. LSU will have them as well. None more talented across the board than what they just saw. And just as a reminder, almost ran for a net of 268 yards on the ground, and that includes sack yardage. It's really 310. Almost rushed for 310 yards against Alabama. And threw for 380. That's a huge credit to the offensive line. Huge credit to the offensive line. That was their best game of the year against the best personnel. Running lanes everywhere. They controlled the line of scrimmage and the point of attack. That was big time. And uh, something, honestly, just full disclosure, I didn't expect. After the way they played against Kentucky, this was an upgrade in talent. And they performed. And then... This should be a good sign, as I mentioned, that Matt Corral off game. Because it is coming. Because like I said, he is a human. It, is, it will come at some point. If the offensive line continues to play like this, they can alleviate that. There's not as much pressure on Corral and Connor and Ely can go off. Like they did the other night. That was a huge thing. Huge step forward for a, a young, relatively inexperienced offensive line. Another good thing, I saw Kiffin's decision, I mentioned it earlier, um, to, to go onside in that moment, it was very, I didn't see very much criticism, but there was a little bit, and quite simply, you weren't stopping Alabama, everybody knew it, you were not stopping Alabama, it wasn't going to happen, so the only way you were going to win the game is to steal possession, and at the end of the day, you're trying to win the game, right, that's the goal, Lane Kiffin didn't go there to cover a spread. He said that after the game. He's like, we're not happy covering spreads. It's about winning. And so that's what he was trying to do. That's why you go onside there. You know you're not getting stops. You might as well try to steal possession. That's the only way that you're going to win that game. And so I thought it was the exact right call. Um, It's nice to see a coach um, manage a game with a little um, intestinal fortitude. I don't have to worry about the FCC here, but still, there may be some young ears. Uh, That's what he coaches with. He coaches with some, um, you ever seen the movie Major League? Some marbles. And that was a good example of that. You're trying to win the game. You're not trying to keep it close. You're not trying to have a moral victory. You're trying to win. So you kick it onside there. You try to steal possession because that's the only way you're going to win the game. Love the call. Respect him for it. That's how he's going to coach. And it might end up... Lo- it could cost you a game down the road. The, dis- the fourth down decisions that you will see later. Maybe it cost you one, but that is coaching to win right there. Not coaching to keep it close with Alabama. It's coaching to beat them. It didn't work, but it's the right call. I'll get to the uh, the sign thing. The sign stealing thing here in a little bit. But um, it wasn't all good. And weekly... We have to talk about defense. And it was historically bad on Saturday night. In case you forgot, Alabama threw for 417, ran for 316. Well, 306 with, with a sack incorporated in. Um, I did see the stat where they only stopped Alabama for 41 yards basically Alabama gained every possible yard they could have considering where they received the possession with the exception of 41 yards that's that's it and there are a lot of people questioning scheme I saw one of the SB SB Nation guys today retweet somebody saying that Ole Miss's blitz rate is pretty high but their success on the blitz rate uh is much lower and so uh it's on coaching to change things up or something like that. And I got a text from a buddy who said, "You know, why don't why doesn't Durkin try something else? Why doesn't he try to go uh, like press man coverage or something?" And maybe there is a schematic issue. Maybe there is. But when I watch Ole Miss play defense, I can't think of a single thing. Not one thing in scheme that I think they could do differently that would alleviate the real problem. I I don't see, I honestly, when I watch, and maybe I'm just missing something, but I don't see one thing where I think, you know what? Durkin and Patridge and company, they're coming up short here because of this schematic issue. I think it's to a point when you're playing a team as talented as Alabama, you cannot forget what this Alabama team is. NFL players everywhere. An NFL five-star across-the-board offensive line. Probably an NFL quarterback, high-level quarterback. One of the best, if not the best, running back in college football. And one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver core in college football. It is the best group of receivers in college football against that defense. I don't think there's anything that they can do. Maybe I'm wrong. And there were a couple of times, like Alabama's go-ahead touchdown that sealed the game. Safety got his eyes got. Got his eyes caught in the backfield. Was out of position. Couldn't make the play on that little, you know, sweep, swing pass, whatever you want to call that. Um, was out of position. But Ole Miss's defensive backs cannot get off blocks. They can't do it. Um, they can't cover. They they can't athletically. They cannot cover Devonte Smith or Jalen Waddle. Physically, they can't do it. No matter what coverage you put them in, they cannot cover these guys in any kind of man situation. It can't be done. I know that sucks to hear, but that's the truth. It cannot be done. Ole Miss's defensive line could not generate push against Alabama's offensive line. No matter what scheme you're running, if you, no matter what stunt you have on or whatever, if you're getting blown off the ball that bad, what do you want them to do? They're linebackers. And they were missing their best athlete at linebacker, and Jacquez Jones. Even if they're in the right position, they're still—if they read the play correctly, they are they step slow. Tackling's an issue across the board in college football. Maybe the lack of spring and stuff had something to do with that, but it's personnel. Ole Miss, in their two deep, has—if I remember correctly—four four stars, former four stars. On the defensive line, they're relying on guys that are inexperienced, young, undersized, under recruited. Sam Williams spent the offseason dealing with a legal issue, couldn't train with his team for a long time. The other defensive end is a guy from Canada. You, you want to think about the difference between Canadian college football that he was playing last year and playing against Alabama? There is a talent deficiency. And I know some people are questioning scheme because it's hard to watch your team get run through like this. I, I had somebody tell me that Mike McIntyre would have done a better job last night with Alabama. And Mike McIntyre had a better defense last year, talent-wise. Look at all they lost from the defensive line. And then, oh, by the way, in NFL safety, if you have weaknesses on the defensive line, how do you, what do you expect is going to happen against a team like Alabama? There is a series, years of recruiting failures on that side of the ball, especially up front. That's the reality. If you want to finger-point it, Durkin, I, I hear you. But you've got to understand what he's working with. Go look at the Ole Miss defense right now and look at what their offer sheets were, most of these guys, and what their recruiting profiles were like. And I know it's not the end-all be-all because Patrick Willis was a two-star and people think that you can just turn every three-star into an elite-level player if you try hard enough, and that's just not the case. These talent evaluators do a pretty good job. And offer sheets is a really important thing to look at. They lack talent on that side of the ball. It's going to be a weekly thing. I don't know if there's anything schematically that can be done. And if you talk about Mike McIntyre, you have to mention that He had a better defensive line last year. Lost a ton of pieces. Especially their two best guys from last year's team on the interior. And they were replaced with not as good players. That's what it comes down to. Uh, Otis Reese would help some. um, But apparently he's just not... I don't know. um, Not going to be eligible by the NCAA. Um. There's a couple of transfers that wanted to go to Ole Miss that because uh, people are um, unwilling to let college kids do what they want to do because um, rivalries or whatever, uh, they're not at Ole Miss right now. And they would help, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, there's a significant talent gap between Ole Miss and most of their opponents. If you think that Durkin should do something else, tell me what that is. Because... uh, with all due respect to my buddy that texted me last night or Saturday night, telling them to run press man coverage, what the hell do you think is going to happen if you run up and try to run press man on Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle? What do you think they're going to do to your defense if you do that? At least Alabama had to like kind of work their way down the field to score, but if you just start running man, it's one play drives instead of nine. At least with nine, there's more chances for them to screw it up for themselves. But I I mean, do you honestly think that Ole Miss has a single player, a single player on their defense that could cover Jalen Waddell in a one-on-one situation? So what do you want them to do? If you're constantly getting blown off the ball, what do you want them to do? If your linebackers, one, having a bad defensive line makes it even harder for linebackers because offensive linemen can get to the second level. They can't eat up blocks as well. And on top of that, they're seemingly a step slow. Defense doesn't take very good angles. Sometimes they're out of position, but mostly it's a Jimmy's and Joe's issue. And Alabama, at least there's a silver lining that Alabama is the best offense they'll see for the rest of the year. In fact, looking at the schedule, um, I mean, most of these teams are going to look make Ole Miss look bad by default. But Arkansas doesn't have an offense that should scare you. Either does Auburn. My goodness, Auburn's awful up front. Vanderbilt is exactly who you think they are. The next scary offense is Texas A&M. And that's weeks away. Mississippi State scored two points in Lexington. Kentucky's much better defensively than Ole Miss is, but they've got problems there, especially with turnovers. So it's going to get easier from here. But that's... That's my opinion on the issue. I get asked all the time, well, well what, what's, what's Durkin doing? Uh, everything he can. He's got a pedigree of calling good defenses, especially at Maryland when he was there. Um, personnel kind of lacking in a place like that, too. Got better defensively. Michigan, I mean, he's had it. Um, So I'm willing to give them the the benefit of the doubt, especially when my eyes tell me that they really, really, really lack, personnel-wise, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. All right, last thing. I got two things left for you, actually. Um, The sign-stealing situation. So I I was first drawn to this last night when uh, Alex Scarborough of ESPN tweeted... Quote, Alabama uh, linebacker Dylan Moses said he definitely thinks Ole Miss had Alabama signals on defense, pointing to Lane Kiffin's time in Tuscaloosa. This is from AL.com. Nick Saban, after the game, said this. Well, I'm not really calm. I'm boiling and bubbling, trying to be encouraging to the players, trying to make the best adjustments we can make at halftime. It seemed like everything we did, though, they had an answer for. I don't know if they had our signals or what. I'm not. That's not anything you Unusual. But it seemed like every time we called something, they had the best play they could have had against it. They had a really good plan. Lane is a really good coach. They have a good offensive team. They have some good players on offense. So Saban's quote isn't as bad as uh, Dylan Moses, but um, you guys realize how really stupid that is, right? I I mean, I'm shocked that this is coming from Alabama, honestly. And in part, I think it's because they don't, they don't know what to do. They haven't really been scored on like this. Not by a team that they were three-touchdown favorite over. Not by a Nick Saban assistant, a former Nick Saban assistant. I think they don't know what to do. And so they're just kind of spewing nonsense because of that. Because this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Uh, number one, in 2016... Lane Kiffin's last year at Alabama. Their current defensive coordinator wasn't there. It was Jeremy Pruitt. So you're telling me... If, they, if they're telling the truth, which by the way, they're not. They are not telling the truth here. It's a lie. Um, that when Lane Kiffin was at Alabama in 2016 and Jeremy Pruitt was the defensive coordinator, you did not change anything a signal, or a check in three years with a new coordinator. In 2018, I think was Golding's first year. You're telling me you didn't change a thing? That is, if it is true, which it's not, if it is true, that's a huge indictment on you and a huge problem. I mean, that that's incompetence is what that is. And here's the thing about Nick Saban's Alabama. Uh, they're not incompetent. If you hadn't changed your signals in four years while also replacing a coordinator, you're a bunch of idiots. And they're not a bunch of idiots. It didn't happen. Kiffin, for what's worth, said on Twitter that they go so fast, um, they're the ones making the call first before the defense can even get lined up. So how can you steal signals if that's what you're doing? Um, I just think they can't admit that Jeff Lebby and um, Lane Kiffin outcoached Pete Golding, and Nick Saban. That's what I think. Because there's no other explanation that makes sense. They've changed their signals and checks many times in four years, especially going to a new coordinator. And if they hadn't, that means they're incompetent. It's a them problem. But the fact that that narrative is like, not completely just being dismissed by every single person out there that we're just running headlines about it and people are actually kind of buying it, is absurd. Really kind of pathetic, if you think about it. I mean, I would be embarrassed if I were an Alabama fan today and they're they're admitting that out loud. That doesn't say what they think it says. That's not the excuse that they think it is. They just can't admit that Jeff Lebby, guy that most people haven't heard of, ran a game plan that was better than Alabama's Pete Golding. That's what that says. That's the reality. They just can't admit it. Which is crazy because you won the game by two touchdowns and they're they're pulling this crap afterwards. Maybe, just maybe, Ole Miss has a good coach. A couple of good coaches, and a good scheme, and good players. Maybe, just maybe, that's that's the case, but nope, can't be that. It's got to be they're stealing our signals because that makes sense. It's kind of embarrassing, honestly. I would be embarrassed, but last thing for you, this was my uh, post-wedding take that I'm prepared to defend. I think Ole Miss, they're not going to be because their defense is absolutely horrendous. And they are 1-2. and two. But I think Ole Miss is a top 25 team. And I think they should be ranked if you were doing the poll correctly. Number one, because you have teams that haven't played a game in the poll. For example, Southern Cal, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin. Although I would assume Wisconsin's better than Ole Miss. But you get my point. But also, you cannot convince me that Virginia Tech would have gone to... T- uh, would have brought Alabama to their place and thrown for 380 and ran for 270. You can't tell me that SMU would have put up 48 points against Alabama. And would have been any more resistant in stopping them. You can't tell me that. Auburn, same thing. Auburn's a top 15 team. Yeah, no. Um Arkansas got screwed. Auburn should be 1 and 2, not 2 and 1. Louisiana's raging raging Cajuns. Who wouldn't have done that? Kansas State wouldn't have done that. If you're doing the poll correctly, I think Ole Miss is a top 25 team. And credit to Paul Feinbaum, by the way. Paul Feinbaum says Alabama's issue on defense comes down to Lane Kiffin out-scheming them and has nothing to do with sign stealing. He's exactly right. That's going to piss a lot of people off in Alabama today, but that's the truth. If I uh, had the patience for it, I would listen to a show just to hear the reaction, but I value my time more than that. Speaking of, I value your time as well, so I will let you go. Thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. Glad you are with me as always. Don't forget to leave a rating and review and subscribe to the podcast. It'll just auto-populate to your phone every single day so you won't miss an episode. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Warky. Go by LBC. Greg, tell them we sent you. And I will talk to you again as we look forward to Arkansas coming up on Wednesday. Have a good week. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.